The fallen world in which we live does not operate according to the law of love. It's not the law of Moses. It's the law of the jungle that rules. The law which says, eat or be eaten. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art. So President Theodore Roosevelt in the early 20th century added a phrase to the American lexicon when he encapsulated a bit of traditional wisdom in, his, in this famous one-liner. You can probably complete it if I begin it. Speak softly, but carry a big stick. Right. I say it's traditional wisdom because this is the way that the world operates. The fallen world in which we live does not operate according to the law of love. It's not the law of Moses. It's the law of the jungle that rules. The law which says, eat or be eaten. It's not the golden rule of Jesus either that rules. The golden rule of Jesus is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But the golden rule that tends to run the world is he who, makes the, who has the gold makes the rules. We live in a cursed world a fallen, full of a fallen humanity. A world where Satan has fallen from heaven like lightning and the Apostle Peter in his letter to us in the New Testament assures us that he is roving around like a ravenous lion seeking someone to devour. We live in a world where people tend to purchase their security with strength. Where they find their peace through the exercise of authority. And so it's little surprise that the disciples are excited when Jesus sends them on their little mission. They come back and they're excited like, Hey, the demons are submitting to our authority when we speak in your name. This is the way of the world they know. You try to put your enemies in a place of subjugation. But Jesus has to correct them. Jesus says to them, you're rejoicing at the wrong thing. Yeah, it's great. We're told, in fact, in the book of Philippians, that finally in the end of all things, all every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow at the name of Jesus And that all tongues will confess Jesus as Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the disciples are getting a little foretaste of the feast to come. But Jesus tells them, you're rejoicing at the wrong thing. Rather, what you need to rejoice at is that your names are written in heaven. And they must have gotten the message. Because in a very few short years, we will see those same disciples... Rejoicing under completely different circumstances. As we said 
we, we talked about this during our, our Easter sermon series. They're all available on our podcast on our website, which you can find by scanning that little barcode thing on your, on your uh, bulletin. But we talked about the witnesses in the early church. In the early church, Christians suffered greatly at the hands of the Roman Empire. The first thing you would probably suffer was ridicule. People just make fun of you for believing in this Christian God. You might experience being cast out of your family. You might experience economic hardship as people refused to do business with you when they found out that you were a Christian. Depending on the emperor, things could get worse. You could get imprisoned, tortured, even put to death. Many Christians were put to death in the arenas of the Roman Empire, like the Colosseum is the most famous one, but there were lots of them all over the Roman Empire. They were trampled or gored by bulls. They were fed to carnivorous cats. They were burned at the stake. Why, under those circumstances then, as they're facing pain and death, could they rejoice? Because that's what we see them do. We have accounts of the way that they died. People like Perpetua and Felicity, two of my favorites, these young 20-something girls who refused to be sold into sexual slavery by their father and refused to worship the Roman gods, and so they were trampled to death and gored by bulls. They went to their deaths singing hymns while everyone watched and listened. Many other Christians died praying for those who were putting them to death or praying for their brother and sister Christians who didn't have the courage to face that and had renounced Christ. Where do you find joy enough to sing, to pray for others in the midst of that deep, deep tragedy and that pain? You find it when... Your joy, your peace is found in something deeper than having power over your enemies. You find it when you know that whatever difficulties you're facing in this life, they are temporary. And that God has won the final victory over these forces. And the time is coming when you'll look back on all of this and it won't mean anything And that's what they had. See, the the disciples in the early church had to receive the promise of God's coming kingdom the same way we receive it. By faith. The same way that the Israelites received God's promises from the prophet Isaiah in our first reading. Do you realize the prophet is saying to them that the Lord is going to comfort them like a child? We got a lot of children in this service. This This is a great reading for this service. When the child is so upset and they just want mom, I'm the dad. I know what that's like when I'm no substitute. <laughs> the prophet Isaiah is saying the Lord will comfort you just like that. He's saying that to them while they're in exile in Babylon. While their families have been scattered. While their city has been destroyed. He says the time is coming when all this pain will be over. And we receive that same promise but with an added added layer of insurance, so to speak, because we live on this side of Jesus' resurrection. Again, as we talked about in our Easter sermon series, we went through all the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus is raised from the dead, we know God's promises are true, so that when we encounter those moments in our lives when we don't feel like we're trampling down the demons under our feet, 
when we feel like the forces of evil have the upper hand, we know that something better is coming and we cannot lose hope. And we do have those moments, don't we? One of my kids, my kids are 13 and 15 now. It's um, been a long time since I had to comfort them when they cried. <laughs> Although, occasionally a nightmare still. <laughs> but um, one of their favorite songs on the radio right now, the refrain of it is, Scars Come With Living. Scars Come With Living. Scars Come With Living. And um, we all experience that. We've all had moments when that treasured friendship just fell apart. When the relationship we thought would last forever didn't. When we got fired unexpectedly. Or this dream at which we had labored for so long never came to fruition. When forces beyond our control tanked our 401k or a disease struck us that we never anticipated and we got that diagnosis we didn't want to hear. Or worse, a loved one did. It's in those moments that the hope that Jesus' resurrection makes sure and certain is most precious to us. It's in those moments when the resurrection means everything and we can find strength beyond that merely in our human nature to buck up under this terrible affliction. And nobody's life teaches me that more than the life of Horatio Spafford. He was a lawyer here in America in the 19th century. He lived through the American Civil War, um, worked hard after going through that deep tragedy which afflicted our whole nation. He worked hard, um, earned a lot of money um, in his profession and tried to invest it so he could take care of his family. Well, earned a lot, earned a lot by those standards those days. And um, he invested it in property around the city of Chicago because um, following the American Civil War, there's this time called the Reconstruction, if you remember your history books, and people were flocking to the cities as the Industrial Revolution was ramping up, looking for work. He hoped to care for his family that way. But in 1871, two tragedies struck him. The first was the death of his two-year-old son. And then if you know your history, I've already given it away with the date, but in 1871 most of the city of Chicago burned to the ground. Literally his entire life's savings up in smoke. And as he took what little was left and tried to scramble and provide for for his four remaining daughters and his wife, things got crazy and he, he had to find what business opportunities he can. He found one in London. And so he decided to take his family and go to London to secure this business settling. But at the last moment, a last-minute zoning meeting came up. And he stayed in Chicago while he sent his daughters and his wife on ahead of him to, to England. While as their boat crossed the Atlantic, it was struck by another boat. And all four of his daughters were lost to the sea. When she reached London, his wife sent him a telegram with two words, saved alone. In the midst of this kind of tragedy, he booked his ticket and got on a boat for England to join his grieving wife. As they crossed over the area where 
His daughter's ship had sunk. The captain told him that this was the place. And he stood on the gunwales of that boat and composed the words to the hymn we're about to sing. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when things are good, when sorrows like sea billows roll, when things are awful, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Because his name was written in heaven, because his daughter's names were written in heaven, his son's name was written in heaven. A tragedy that most any of us would find crushing became something he could live through and even move on to find joy. In the midst of the ups and downs of this life, we are called upon to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. For He has won the victory and in the end, every knee shall bow and acknowledge that. This is the hope to which we cling. And it's hope made certain by His resurrection. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, the pains of this life are real. The broken relationships, the lost opportunities, the fruitless endeavors and and those things that are beyond our control and hit us out of left field. And yet in the midst of them all, we know that you have won the final victory over sin, death, and the devil. Lord, strengthen us as we walk on this pilgrim way. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to learn from your word the fullness of your will for our lives so that we can live in the joy you have ordained for us. And that when tragedy strikes, for scars do come with living, we might hold to you who are scarred your hands, your feet, your brow, your chest, and be drawn on to you who has secured our name in heaven. And these things we ask in your precious name, which is forever Jesus the Christ. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life.